0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 341 of the Impopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, I'm not really asking you to agree with me. I'm asking you to hear me out. Last episode I came in and I said that I don't like making assumptions or I don't like wrapping a whole NBA final series up in one game. Game 1 you usually see things that of course need changing, usually see things that could permeate throughout the entire series, but you don't want to make huge proclamations after game 1. Game 2, however, while no, you still it's the first of 4, not the first of 2. You're starting to see things in this in this Denver Nuggets Miami Heat series that can dictate the outcome drastically for both teams. So as we sit here today, the Miami heat and Denver nuggets are tied one, one in the NBA finals. And we have seen the pendulum swing drastically in two completely different directions. However, If you really look at the games, this series could be 2-0 in in both, 2-0 for for the Denver Nuggets and 2-0 for the Miami Heat. Let me explain. While yes, when you look at the games and you look at the teams, to me, the Denver Nuggets are, I'm not gonna say drastically better, But they are the better team. They're the bigger team. They have better weapons when we talk about uh, reliability. They're just the better team. Now, as we've seen throughout this entire playoffs, just because you're the better team doesn't ultimately mean you're going to win. But watching the first two games, it is clear to me that the Denver Nuggets, they're the better team in this matchup. Nicole Jokic is, I think Nicole Jokic is averaging like 34 points or something a game right now. Uh, the, the, the Nuggets are just better. But as we sit here today again, the series is tied 1-1. And even with the Denver Nuggets being the better team, I said that this series could be 2-0 in favor of the Denver Nuggets and in favor of the Miami Heat. Let's talk about the Nuggets side. The Nuggets have been the better team majority of, actually, they've been the better team pretty much this entire series. Outside of the first five minutes of game two and the last five minutes of game two. And when you're playing in basketball and, and you're playing at the highest level, you're playing for the NBA championship, those moments matter more than they would in a regular season game, in game 41 of the regular season, or even in, I don't know, the, the, the second round of the playoffs because you're playing two superior teams. Now, again, you can debate if these are the best teams in the NBA, those are, of course, obviously debatable. However, these are the last two teams standing. So they've obviously deserve to be here. And you again, you can say which which I would believe is true, the Denver Nuggets have been the better team in both games. But it doesn't matter if you can't finish, and it doesn't matter at this point because again, now the series is tied one-one. The Denver Nuggets, the Miami Heat game two, went up I think eleven or twelve points, and I think the the, the Denver Nuggets proceeded to go on a twenty-six to five run. And for the majority of that game, again, I said the Miami Heat were the better team. The first five minutes of that game, and the last five minutes. So for the entire or, or pretty much the entirety of that game, the Denver Nuggets were dominating. And they were dominating because their big man, Nikola Jokic, who if you go if you look at last episode, I proclaimed as the best player in the world right now. He was doing everything possible offensively because he he understood what what time it was and he understood that. His team might not have it today, and you can you can see. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. had five points. Aaron Gordon had twelve. KCP had six points. Jamal Murray had eighteen—a very pedestrian eighteen. The the team just what didn't have it, and he felt who was Nikola Jokic had to 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 put himself in offense mode. I mean, Nikola Jokic finished with 41 points, 11 rebounds, and I think four four assists. And this is the Nikola Jokic we can get. We can get a 26, 14, and 11 Nikola Jokic. We can also get a 41, 11, and 4. That's one of the biggest reasons why I said I believe he is right now the best player in the world. Because just how versatile he is. But... Going into the NBA Finals, I said, and everyone pretty much has said, so it's not just, this isn't an original thought, how do you, or questioned, let's say that, everyone, including myself, questioned, how do you beat the Denver Nuggets if you're the Miami Heat? And one thing that we have concluded, and one thing that, that pretty much everyone has said is, you turn Nikola Jokic into a pure scorer. Which, of course, and and shouts out to Eric Spoelstra, it's pretty much easier said than done because of just how great of a talent he is and how great the NBA talent is. And it's hard, especially when you have someone that's supremely gifted and and talented at at the sport. It's hard for you to you're not going to force them to do anything. They're going to move at their own pace. So. The way to beat the Denver Nuggets is make Nicole Jokic a score and shut everyone else down. And that's proven, but if you look at the record in the postseason, when Nikola Jokic scores 40 or more points, the Denver Nuggets are 0 and 3. Including game two of the NBA finals. So and the reason for that, for people that are confused, like how how is it that a person can score 41 points or 40-plus points? He had a 53-point game or 52 or one of those two. He had a 50-plus-point game against the Suns and lost. So you ask, how can somebody score 50-something points or or 40 or more? And that is a good game plan. It goes back to the... It goes back to the 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 saying: the ball has energy, and and for people that's played basketball, for hell even football, when you get the ball, there is energy, and you know you want a thousand percent proof, and and for all my hoopers, they understand. You ever been dead tired? playing, like, like pickup or, or playing an organized game, whether it's middle school, high school, NBA, you know, overseas. You ever been dead tired? Like, you've been running your team. You've been playing a lot of minutes. You've been dead tired, and then the ball touches your hand, and all that tiredness, all that fatigue just goes out the window. You you get a – you get a – you <laughs> That second wind hits instantly once the ball is in your hand. The ball, the ball has energy, and people that watch basketball and, and the Miami Heat, obviously, they know that it's it's you're not going to stop a player. Eric Spoelstra has said this multiple times in interviews. You're not going to stop Nikola Jokic. You're not going to force him to do something he doesn't want to do. He has been a MVP in the NBA twice. You're not going to stop him. But what, what you can do is you can combat one player going off. And everyone else having pedestrian games. We talked about Jamal Murray having 18 points. While 18 points would be good for a Christian Braun or good for Jeff Green, and that's no offense to them, but that's just honest, that is pedestrian for a person that's averaging, I think, like 24 points a game in Jamal Murray. Michael Porter Jr., five points. So now what you're doing is you're guarding – you're you're trying your best on Nicole Yoke to slow him down, but you're guarding everyone else, like you're pretty much face guarding everyone else, so nobody else goes off. That's a that's that's the game plan to beat the Denver Nuggets. Now I will also admit that that game plan can also backfire because I like I said, the Miami Heat were the best team the first five minutes of game two and the last five minutes of game two if it wasn't for big shots by uh i mean nick Struess, he went oh for 10 or oh for nine from three last game in this game or game two he went four for ten but if they didn't get big buckets from duncan robinson if they didn't get big buckets from game vincent another 20 plus point game Max Strus, all these players that didn't do much outside of outside of Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson didn't do much. Uh, Nick Strus didn't do anything. They had big contributions. even though it was six points. Those two threes were big from Kevin Love, and you did yet have a, you had yet another pedestrian game from Jimmy Butler, but he did hit big buckets when needed, and the team got to the free throw line. The team took 20 free throws. And Kyle Lowry had nine points. I also, I I did say that this series can be 2-0 for both. Now, of course, it's 1-1, but it could be 2-0 for the Denver Nuggets, and it could be 2-0 for... The Miami Heat. For Denver, again, they were the better team majority of the game. It's just, first and foremost, I don't understand. I get it to a certain extent, but then I don't get it. I don't understand why these coaches, and I'm not putting the blame all on Mike Malone, but I don't understand why these coaches continue to have, to be in late game situations, and you see, Your team might not be the most cohesive right now. Why not use a timeout when you have it? That's the point of harboring and holding timeouts for the end of the game. You're not gonna be able to use it. Yo, you're not gonna be able to use it next game, so what are you doing? Again, I said I understand to an extent because when you're dealing with a veteran-laden team, when you're dealing with a team that's been there before, when you're dealing with a team that understand, you know, has vets like the Golden State Warriors like the I get well pretty much like the Golden State Warriors because they've played with each other for so many years. I understand not calling a timeout in that situation because they pretty much know sets they're running. They pretty much have it in the back of their mind. They have the greatest shooter of all time in my opinion they have the second greatest shooter of all time you may not have you just live with what happens i get that however the key phrase in that situation has been there before we have seen on several occasions the denver nuggets struggle in late game situations because they i'm not gonna say they haven't been there before but this is the nba finals there is a drastic difference between going to Miami up 2-0 and going to Miami tied 1-1. Again, I'm not blaming Mike Malone for the loss. But what I am blaming Mike Malone for is the last play of the game. Especially when you get the action that you want. If you're the Miami Heat, you get your best offender. And Jimmy Butler on the 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 ball handler in 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 Jamal Murray, and you have Jamal Murray take a tough, pretty much fadeaway three pointer on your best defender. I just don't under Joe Missoula did that a lot in the in the Boston um, Boston. Miami series. It's like, why continue to harbor on the timeouts? You're, you're, you lose them. It's like sick days in a corporate job. You don't use them, you lose them. It just, I understand you have a player like Nicole Jokic. I understand you have a player like Jamal Murray. But you could see very quickly that they did not know what to do and that's no offense to them but you saw that they didn't know what to do so why not call a timeout a timeout that now i'm not saying that you calling a timeout would instantly get you you know the win but it does put you in a better position now i understand, i also understand coaches thinking is you know when you call a timeout that also allows the defense to get set well i rather Play against a set defense when I know what I'm doing on offense, instead of playing a non-set defense or reactionary defense when they're reaction they're reacting to me when I don't know what I'm doing. So it it it, it there again, the Denver Nuggets could be up 2-0. I also said the Heat could be up 2-0. Well. Well, let's talk about the Heat for a little bit. It has been... I mean, I've stated it just on this episode. I've stated it. Multiple people have stated it. But the Miami Heat are the underdogs for sure in this NBA Finals. Well, yes, you have Jimmy Butler who has cemented himself as one of the best playoff performers in the NBA right now. You have Bam Adebayo who any given day can have a good game or or not it's you know and of course you've got you've got to this point you got to the NBA finals and rightfully so you have you have a uh, you've earned your way to the NBA finals but for the eat to win especially this NBA finals it needs to be the others it was the others after game three after game three of the of uh the Eastern Conference Finals. And when I mean others, I mean the the Max Struces, the Gabe Vincents. At this point, Kyle Lowry is an other. Kyle Lowry, uh, Caleb Martin, Duncan Robinson. You need the others to or Kevin Love at this point. You need the others to, to come to play. That's one of the biggest reasons, and that's again that's one of the biggest reasons why not only the Heat are in the NBA Finals because of the big play from Kayla Martin and and the consistent play from Gabe Vincent, but why they won the why they won Game Two again. If it wasn't for Duncan Robinson's ten points, all of which I believe came in the fourth quarter, if it wasn't for you know Gabe Vincent hitting big threes or or. Kevin Love getting inserted into the lineup or getting inserted into the starting lineup, which allows it allows it changes matchups, which was brilliant, in my opinion, for Eric Spoelstra to start Kevin Love, who didn't even play game one. So. And this is kind of an indictment on the Denver Nuggets. As well as an indictment on the Miami Heat. Especially when we talk about game one. The Denver winning changes a lot of things. And winning changes the perception on a lot of things. Winning allows you to forgive and sometimes forget what you just saw because you saw the win. And your team or yeah, your team just won. But you you can't let yourself be clouded by wins, especially at this point of the season. And I, and I I know that sounds crazy, but let me let me explain what I mean by that. Let's not get it twisted. And let's be brutally honest about what we've seen. The Denver Nuggets, while yes, you can say they are the best team in the in in these in these finals, which I do believe, they have not been pl- they have not played good these first two games. Now, yes, I did say that they were the better team game one and majority of game two. They were the better team. But let's not get it twisted. They have not played well this NBA finals at all. As far as defensively, I'm, uh, defensively, defensively, they have been terrible. And and what I mean by that is yes they you know Aaron Gordon they've had some blocks and Aaron Gordon has been good and and Bruce Brown's on-ball defense has been good at times but the amount of wide open threes that they give up Think about this There's a reason why the Miami Heat that don't take a lot of threes in the regular season was able to take 35, and and, and most of those 35 threes, they didn't make, they made 17 of them, most of those 35 threes were wide open. If you look at game one, majority of their threes were wide open. They just didn't hit them. And that's one of the biggest reasons why I said the Miami Heat could be up 2-0 in this finals. Because... We t- I talked about this with the Denver Nuggets, and this statement has been true for them, is that they're not the best offensive team. However, what they, make, what they lack in defense, they make up for an efficiency. Well, that has not been the case at least the first two games, and which is even more eye-opening because they've been home. Excuse me. I think that the Denver Nuggets, both teams shouldn't feel I – don't, I don't think both teams should feel as confident about this 1-0 as you think they should. I know that's crazy to say being in the NBA Finals, but the Denver Nuggets should think, well, wow, yes, we're happy to be 1-0, or 1-1, one one, one, we can very well be 0-2. We can also very well be 2-0. The Miami Heat were down like 15 points in game two, after being up 11. And on the Miami Heat side, while they are probably ecstatic being 1-1, one, one, they could also say, well, we could be down 0-2 and we could be up 0-2 or 2-0. I think this is more of a. Uh, I don't know who this this should benefit, <laughs> but. Going into the uh, it's it's clear that Denver is the better team. But that has not mattered at all in this playoffs. Or that has not mattered at all in this NBA Finals. Because the Miami Heat have... risen to the occasion, obviously. And... While I do still... I mean, I'm not changing my pick. I do still think it's going to be Denver in six. Uh, I The Miami Heat have played... Or the Miami Heat have played a lot better than I've thought in these first two games. Even though they did lose game one. It was, it was just because they couldn't hit shots. And they kept fouling the Denver Nuggets. So... Game three is, I think today, and uh, we'll see. I, I am interested to see how uh, how the Denver Nuggets look in Miami. Not saying that it's going to be drastically different, but now you don't have the whole elevation thing, um, and role players play better at home. That's that's just science. That's just uh, proven. And, you know, maybe Caleb Martin, he gets his uh, role player at home. Role players play better. So maybe you get a, a better game out of Caleb Martin. I think in two games, Caleb Martin has, I think, three points, maybe six points. So we'll see. We will see. I also want to talk about uh, the Stanley Cup finals. And. What we're seeing In the Stanley Cup Finals Is Styles And You're seeing one team That has been I'm not going to say drastically better But it's all about starts. I know they said it's not about how you start; it's how you finish. Well, in the two games in the Stanley Cup Finals, it is it has been a, it has been ex- like the biggest reason why the Golden the Vegas Golden Knights are currently up two zero is because of how they start. I think they've scored two goals in the first period. Both games. That is tough. Now, you could you could think the first game, it could have it was probably Rust versus Rest. You know, the, the, the Florida Panthers were resting. They were they had at least I think a week, maybe a week and a half off because they swept the the Carolina Carolina hurricanes. And the go the Vegas Golden Knights just got off of a very tough series, a very six, I think tough six game series against the Dallas Stars. So it was it was pretty much rust against rest, and and you know obviously the Vegas Golden Knights prevailed. And throughout the entire Stanley Cup, goaltending has been goaltending has been the the. One of the calling cards and one of the biggest reasons why they've been so successful, and that is the Florida Panthers. When you have Brovowski, and I'm probably messed up your name, bro. I probably, I apologize. But bravosky he has been one of, if not the best goalie, this entire Stanley Cup playoffs. Which is one of the biggest reasons why, even if the Even if the Florida Panthers have started off slow as far as scoring, Bravosky he has allowed them to start slow because he's not allowing any points. Well, (laughs) at least in this Stanley Cup Finals, he has been terrible. And those slow starts that Florida has been able to live with because of The goaltending has been so good. That has been the complete opposite in the Stanley Cup Finals. Now, you have Bravoski; He's allowing a bunch. I mean, I'm not going to say a bunch, but he's allowing early goals. And then in Game 2, while they tied it up 2-2, he allowed three quick goals to make it, what, 5-2. And... uh, Outside of the goalies, I, I felt like this was going to be a star versus star matchup. And I've been I was right now. I've been kind of wrong. I thought it was going to be Jack Eichel for the Vegas Golden Knights against Matthew Kachuk against the Ve- or for the Vegas Panthers. Jack Eichel has been the Vegas Stars best player, obviously. And Matthew Kachuk is the best players or is the Florida Panthers best player. And for the most part, Matthew Kachuk has been you can tell he's trying to rile up his team. You you could tell that by the big hit that he landed on Jack Eichel in game two. I think it was like in the second period, he leveled Jack Eichel, and you don't really see that with star versus star. Like you don't, you you don't see that too often. You also saw Matthew Kuchuk in a whole, you know, physical situation in Game One. I don't want to say that. I I, I don't want to say that. The Vegas or the Florida Panthers luck has run out. That's that's one storyline that's kind of been permeating throughout sports. Has the Florida Panthers luck run out? And I'm not going to call it luck. You know, they one thing that has been has been. uh, One thing that has been. Duly noted and duly documented is how hard of a path they've gotten to get to the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean you go up against the greatest team greatest regular season team in NHL history in the Boston Bruins after being up three one or after being down I'm sorry three one then you go against Austin Matthews and the Toronto Make Believes. Then you go against the 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 Carolina Hurricanes. That is a Saints row of opponents. One of the biggest, and I, I don't, I feel, I know I do. <laughs> I know I bring up the Golden State Warriors a lot, but it, it just, I let it. They have helped me a lot as far as bringing more perspective to my uh, to my opinions. But remember, let's go back to. 2016, when they ultimately lost in the finals. Outside of, you know, outside of Draymond Green getting suspended and, and Bogut going out, which to me were the two biggest reasons why the Golden State Warriors lost the finals. You can tell that the fatigue set, the fatigue factor was starting to set in. I mean, you just went you just had to come back from 3-1 against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And then now, you know, the, the fatigue factor and of course you did, you have a whole regular season where you go 73 and 9. Now no, I'm not taking away from the greatness that was the Cleveland Cavaliers and coming back from that. But you can tell the fatigue start to set in. And I don't want to put that on the Florida Panthers, but that could be the case. They just look a step slower than the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, yes, I understand that the Vegas Golden Knights uh, have have played more games on their road to the Stanley Cup Finals, but when we talk about the competition level, the Florida Panthers have had a have had a tougher tougher go at it than the or let me say had a tougher batch of opponents than the Vegas eight or the Vegas Golden Knights have. So as we sit here today, the Vegas Golden Knights are up 2-0. And I don't want I don't want to say that it's over because again this Florida this Florida Panther this Florida Panthers team was down 3-1 against the Boston Bruins, who again, was the best regular season team in NHL history. So I'm not going to say it's over, but it feels like it feels like it's over, especially when you look at both those games in Florida. Again, just looked a step slower. The Vegas Golden Knights just look like the superior team. You know how we just talked about how it could be, you know, 2 or 2-0 for the Denver Nuggets. Well, the Vegas Golden Knights have looked have dominated majority of this series. Actually, have dominated the entire series. There was, there was a time, there was like maybe I think the second period in game one. Or maybe the second period in both both games where the Florida Panthers looked like they kind of had some life. And of course, if it wasn't a lake. If it wasn't for a late goal in Game One, Florida would have uh, Florida. They would have lost again. So, again, I, I don't want to say that it's over, but it does seem like Florida's in a the Flor the Florida Panthers are in a dire situation right now. Because they have looked like a shell of themselves this postseason in the Stanley Cup Finals. And while I'm sure there have been teams that come back from 3-0, I don't anticipate the Florida Panthers going or coming back from 3-0 if they do ultimately lose Game 3. And while, yes, I thought it was over when they were up 3 or down 3-1 against the Boston Bruins, I don't know if that happens because Florida goes home. They can ultimately tie this up at 2-2. Who knows? But from what it's looking like right now, that's a little more daunting than we thought. So, so again, I'm not saying that the match is over. I'm just saying they may have run into a better team. And the Vegas Golden Knights have been the better team for the first two games by a country mind. The biggest news, or one of the biggest news that uh hit the sports lexicon was the merge the merging of Live Golf and PGA Tour. Now it was also DP World, but I, I'm not gonna lie. I don't I've never heard of D P world, so we're just gonna stick with Live Golf and PGA Tour coming together and merging. I don't know if people remember. But there was a very ugly feud between the PGA Tour and Live Golf. Now, Live Golf, of course, that was started by Saudi Arabia. And they were paying or they they were paying out large, large sums of money to their golfers, which is why you saw a lot of top golfers. Leave the PGA Tour or leave the PGA to go to Live Golf. Now, while the PGA has the name and the recognition, of course, it's it's been here the longest. There have been, you know, people have complained for a while of just how much money or lack of money they get if they're not the winners or if they're not in the top 10 or if they're not in the top five. Well, while well, yes, the the top ten, top five make more money in in live golf, the the bottom the bottom of the of the leaderboards also make a considerable amount of money when, in in perspective of golf. And you know, you saw Tiger Woods come out and and pretty much bash live golf. You saw McElroy talk about golf you saw Brooks Kepka who I believe went over to live live golf pretty much explain you know the 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 conditions and and how it's 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 just that much better at live golf than it is at PGA and of course like I said this was you you even had the purist man the PGA purist how do you <laughs> one of the biggest arguments I was I heard was how can you partner with uh a company that's that's supported by Saudi Arabia. Like, like most of the things that the United States does isn't news flash, bro. A lot of things that help us in our day to day lives are backed by people you probably aren't supposed to like, but it is what it is. But there was a huge feud between Live Golf and PGA Tour, and, and mainly it was the PGA Tour not liking Live, and you, it's understandable at times, you know. Like sometimes you don't the new the, the new thing comes in and and you don't like it because it it for people people that think people think that it could be a threat to your existence or the new thing can be a threat to the norm which while yes it could be a threat to the norm that doesn't ultimately mean that you're going down let's let's just be honest um but this is huge for for golf man and i i do i am interested to see all those people in here all those people that bash live golf and uh all those people that pretty much saying live golf wouldn't survive like i'm i'm interested to see what the what their narrative is now or, or how they feel now to me this is great for 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 golf now you get to see you know tours and you get to see matches and and events where the top of the 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 top of the top golfers are able to play against each other because for a long time the PGA Tour would ban anybody that left their tour to go to Live Golf. So now you 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 get to see those matchups again, and you get to see it just it just unifies golf now. More than likely, you're probably going to make more money if you're on the PGA Tour side because of their merge. Now nah, I, I don't know how the money is going to work. Don't get me wrong but i do think that it is it's more lucrative for now the golfers and it's just a better watch now you get again you get to see the top players go up against each other in golf instead of oh well he can't be here because he he's for live or he can't be in our tournament because he's in the PGA like it's just dumb it's dumb and it is it's 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 Better for the sport of golf That Everyone I'm not going to say everyone's under one umbrella But Everyone's able to coexist Let me say that Everyone's able to To Play against each other Like imagine if If I don't know magic johnson played for you know the lakers and and larry bird played for the celtics but they were in two different leagues it's just like what are we doing or they were in two different leagues doing the same exact thing it just it just you know it 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 doesn't help now i understand you know people talk about the morals or whatever of live golf i get that you know and the morals of Saudi Arabia and, and this, that, and the third. I get it. Okay. Um, but again, there is a lot of things. And I'm not saying that it's right. That my, my explanation isn't right. But there's a lot of things that we do or a lot of companies that we back that don't have solid morals. That does should that affect your day to day? no, you do what you gotta do, you know I mean, I don't know. It's a weird conversation It's a weird conversation to have i'm and and I'm only saying weird because i don't I don't think there's any wrong. You can feel how you feel about live golf, you can feel how you feel about the people backing live golf you can you can feel all that, and you wouldn't be wrong. But, you know, also, uh, you're, uh, I'm also for people that go into a sport and go into a, a profession making the most amount of money that they can. And for the longest, it was with Live. So, now I'm interested to see, now that Liv and PJ have, have come together, how that, because I think it will, how that would be beneficial as far as payment, uh, and not just the top. I mean, Tiger Woods, you know, Roy McElroy, uh Brooks Koepka, they're gonna make their money. It's just the people that don't win or the people that participate. How much is their is their ceiling going to rise? I don't know. I'm interested to see, but I do think that it is a good thing that live golf and the PGA tour put their rivalry aside and merge because, you know, now you get to see the 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 top talent. You get to see the best golf possible, you know, if you're a golf fan. So I wanted to I'm gonna move over to basketball again real quick. I wanted to uh talk about <laughs> the the report that Kyrie Irving is trying to get LeBron James to come to to, to Dallas. And you, all these are just reports. Because from this information, you're hearing a lot of reports. You're hearing uh, Kyrie has absolutely no interest in going to the Lakers. You're hearing the Lakers have absolutely no interest in Kyrie Irving. You're hearing that LeBron has no interest in going to Dallas. You're just hearing report after report after report. And while I'm not going to disc- or talk about the, the actual report of Kyrie wanting LeBron, James in Dallas, what I will talk about is the state in which or the state of Kyrie's career and the state of LeBron James' career at this very moment. Let me talk let me start with LeBron James one cuz that's a little less complicated. LeBron James is at a point in his career. Whether you believe it or not, okay. LeBron James at a point of his career where he cannot be the best player on a championship team and it's just him. And I'm not saying just him, but you, uh, uh, let me say this. LeBron James needs more help than he's ever needed if he wants to win a championship again. That's just father time. That's just age. That's I mean he's been in the league for what 20 years at this point. That's that's just the that's just the reality of it. Well, yes, LeBron James can still be the best player, he needs more help than he's, he's needed in his career, which is why it was highlighted so much the inconsistency in between games for with Anthony Davis or the lack of consistent shooting around LeBron James when we talk about Austin Reeves, when we talk about D'Angelo Russell when we talk about Rui Hachimura when we talk about Dennis Smith uh Dennis Schroder LeBron James needs more help around him if he ultimately wants to win a championship and while I don't think it's going to happen obviously Because I think the new CBA that's going to kick in once the season ends pretty much has made it nearly impossible to form quote-unquote super teams because the whole apron, the first apron, second apron thing. I do think it's intriguing to think about a team that has LeBron James, Luka Doncic, and Kyrie Irving on it. I don't think we've found a star that can play next to Luka just because of the sheer amount of times the ball has to be in Luka's hands for him to be successful. Not saying that Luka can't distribute, but Luka's, he's not an off-ball player. So, we haven't, we found players that, I mean, Jalen Brunson worked with Luka, obviously, but we haven't seen a star that can play alongside Luka. Because if you, if you go down the list, I don't, the only stars I can really think of has to be able and has to be willing To take a lesser role and the only person, the only star I've seen take a lesser role and he didn't have to was Steph Curry. Now, again, that was also Kevin Durant on that team, but, you know, so I think. And this is no shot at LeBron. This is no indictment to LeBron. This is just fact. LeBron James, I I don't think that he is in the position to win many more championships. Now, again, age, father, time catches up to everyone. It just catches up to everyone differently, and that has been LeBron James we're seeing it. LeBron James can have a 40-point game 4, but then he can have a 18, 19, 20-point game 3. Or he can go oh for 20 something in the fourth quarter from 3 cuz that's just that's that's just the 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 stage of his career that he's in. So for LeBron James, it would be interesting to see him alongside Luka and Kyrie Irving we've seen What him and Kyrie Irving Do on the same team but it would be Interesting I don't think it's going to happen But it would be interesting Now let me talk about Kyrie Irving for a second And I don't think Kyrie Irving Understands How fragile His Career is right now Don't get me wrong Kyrie Irving is an incredible player on the court. I have gone, I will go down and say that he's probably one of the greatest finishers under the, uh, around the rim as far as touch and layups and, you know, his ability to to hit angles. He's one of the greatest finishers in league history. I will also attend... And I will also say that he is the greatest ball handler we've ever seen, in my opinion. And there have been some great ones, but I think Kyrie Irving is number one. So when I say fragile, you know, when I say how fragile his career is right now, I'm not talking about the sheer talent that is Kyrie Irving as a basketball player. Because if we were just talking about Kyrie Irving as a basketball player, then There's no question that he is, of course, a top-tier talent. But Kyrie Irving is at a fragile point of his career because everywhere he's gone has not worked outside of playing with LeBron James. It didn't work when he went to Boston. And, and most of his most of his moves were self like he were were self implemented. He wanted to do this. He found a way to get to these places. At Boston. It didn't work. And this is with a young Jason Tatum and a young uh, Jalen Brown in Brooklyn. You know how he 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 was able to get KD there, and then they also got James Harden, and then they also. Got uh, Ben Simmons. That didn't work. And most of the time it didn't work was because of Kyrie Irving. And not not because of his talent or lack of talent, which is not true. It's because of a lot of the off the court. I'm not going to say issues, but off, off the court. Hmm. Off the court stuff with Kyrie. Whether it's injuries or just not wanting to play or the whole tweet or the whole uh, IG thing. It's all been about Kyrie. As far as why things have not worked. And it's not because he's not a talented player. Ty- Kyrie Irving is probably one of the most gifted players the league has ever seen. But this is why I say it's also one of the fragile. He's at the fragile point of his career. Because right now he's he's not even in Dallas. Think about that. He's not. He does not have a contract for Dallas. He's a free agent. Now, yes, he he probably expects to get paid from Dallas, but he is a free agent, meaning he does not have a team right now. And while it's, it's pretty much expected that he's going to go back to Dallas, I don't know how happy Dally, D- Dally, Dallas is with Kyrie right now. Because remember, Dallas made it to the Western Conference Finals with Jalen Brunson. They didn't make it to the playoffs with Kyrie. Now, no, that's not Kyrie's fault. And it's pretty much unfair to put that on Kyrie, but that's what the fan base is doing. And once the fan base starts doing it, trust and believe the team is going to start doing it. So when I say this is a fragile point in Kyrie's career, you have to, I'm not going to say you have to win. I don't think, I don't think Dallas is in a position to win a championship, but you have to be more successful than you were last year. Or you're going to start to see those opportunities. Let me say this. You're going to start to see those winning opportunities start to dry up for Kyrie. When I mean winning, you're going to well, yes, he is a superior talent. You're going to start to see teams that have a shot to win say, "Yeah, uh, it's not worth it." Because you see every single place Kyrie has gone has not been successful outside of the the few years he played alongside LeBron James. Again, whether this this whether this is whether this is justified or not, that's what's going to happen. So Kyrie is at a fragile point of his career. I'm not saying that he has to win a championship because I don't think they're good enough to win a championship. But a team that has Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic at least better make the playoffs. And that's because if not, those the noise that you're going to hear surrounding the the disdain for Kyrie is going to mount. Especially a team, especially from a fan base that is already upset that you gave away Jalen Brunson, and Jalen Brunson looks this good, or not gave away, you allow Jalen Brunson to walk, and he looks this good in New York. And and now you have Kyrie, which, don't get me wrong, is a better overall player than Jalen Brunson, but Jalen Brunson didn't make it to the second round of the playoffs with the Knicks. Kyrie didn't even make it to the playoffs, let alone play in with the, with the Dallas Mavericks. Whether that is justified or not to put on his back, which I don't think it is. That's what the fan base is doing. And let them not be successful. Let them not make it to the playoffs. or let them not. I think that you have to at least win a round. No, let me not even, you have to at least make the playoffs. If they don't next year. And on top of all that, Kyrie Irving still does not have a deal. He is a free agent. That's, yeah, let's move forward. What is the hardest thing in sports to do? Hmm? What do you think the hardest thing in sports to do is? I'm gonna give you my answer. The hardest thing in sports to do is to maintain something is to maintain either yeah, greatness. Let's say greatness. It's to maintain greatness. Because in sports, there's so many things that can derail greatness. And once de- once greatness is derailed, it's extremely hard to get back. Think about it. Let me give you an example. I'll give you two examples. Let me give you the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, one of the greatest teams we've ever seen. They had such a run. Steel Curtain. They had they were one of the best franchises in football history. And well, yes, they've maintained being a good team because of Mike Tomlin and and they had Big Ben and they had Troy Polamalu and they had Ryan Clark and they had, you know, Antonio Brown. But that greatness was not there anymore. I'll give you an even better team. The Washington. Franchise. Washington. There was a point in time. I wasn't alive. But there was a point in time. Where Washington was the. Was the marquee franchise in the NFL. I think in a span of like. Four or five years. Or maybe six years. They won three Super Bowls. Washington with Art Monk and and Theismann, they they were the cornerstone of football Washington If you look today Washington ain't won a playoff game since I don't remember They haven't been to the second round They haven't been to the conference finals or the conference championship since 1979 i looked this up yesterday no i'm sorry that's washington uh, wizards um but washington the football team they haven't really been viable in a while probably since like 93 so probably the hardest thing to do is maintain greatness Another hard thing to do, and and maybe even harder, is to repeat. Is to go back-to-back. There's a reason why it's... Even how great Patrick Mahomes is, there's a reason why they haven't won back-to-back. I think the last back-to-back champion was the Patriots. Uh, In basketball, the last back-to-back champion was... The Golden State Wars, and that's the one that had KD, Kyrie. I mean, KD, Steph, Clay. you know. I don't remember the last back-to-back champion in baseball. Maybe the Yankees, I don't know. What I'm saying is it's hard to maintain greatness, and it's hard, damn near impossible, not impossible, damn near impossible to repeat. What am I going on about? Another hard thing to do is have dynasties. In college, we talk about the, Dy- the Golden State Warriors dynasty. We talk about the Steelers dynasty. We talk about the Cowboys dynasty. We talk about the Spurs dynasty. When we talk about college dynasties, there's really only two, three. We talk about the Huskies dynasty. In college basketball, uh, women's college basketball, the Yukon Huskies, we talk in women's college basketball, we talk about the UCLA dynasty and, and men's college basketball way, way back in the day. And we talk about Alabama football dynasty. Those are really it. Well, what we're seeing out of the Oklahoma Sooners softball team is a dynasty. And they have a shot, I think today, to break an NCAA record with fifty-two straight wins. Right actually, right now they have a D one record with fifty-one straight wins. But they also are going for a three peat, which we have not seen in the NBA since what the um Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal Lakers. We haven't seen a three-peat since the Patriots in football. The Oklahoma Sooners, softball, is a they they go up against Florida State in the uh women's college softball world series. And Yes, they went into extra innings against Stanford last game. But outside of that, they've been pretty dominant, obviously. They've won 51 straight games. And while I don't think it's on the level right now, of course, UCLA, basketball, men's back in the day. But you are we are looking at one of the greatest sports dynasties if they do win the three-peat. You're looking at one of the greatest sports dynasties especially college that we've ever seen. And let me let me explain why. And why college sports is one of the hardest why it's the Yukon Huskies women's basketball program is such an anomaly. Or hell, we've even seen it with the the we're seeing it right now with the um South Carolina Gamecocks how great they were and they didn't even make it to the they didn't even win two back-to-back and they've had some great teams some great players one of the biggest reasons why it's so hard to win in college college anything is because of the transfer portal is because you have such a small window with players you honestly have at the most 4 years and there's so much that have to go right you have to get the right coach you have to get the right players your scouting team has to be a1 your recruiting has to be a1 if any one of those is 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 not up to par you have no shot and even if all of those are up to part, that still doesn't ultimately mean you have a dynasty on your hands. For example, one of the top recruiting teams in, foot, in college football every single year is Ohio State and Oregon. Let's Let's focus on Oregon for a second. Oregon usually lands in the top five when we talk about recruiting. Do you know how many national championships Oregon has in their entire franchise entire school lineage in 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 football? I think zero. It is hard in college to maintain greatness for a long time. Cuz think about it, the the Oklahoma Sooners softball team, right? they're about to win 51 or they if they win this year's national championship not only will it be their third the third straight but they will win 52 straight wins and think about this the 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 young ladies that were there for win one and two are not there for win 51 and possibly 52 i don't think not a one Maybe one. There has to be so much to go right, to have a dynasty, to to maintain greatness. And what we're seeing is Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Sooners do everything right. Their' recruiting is A1. Most of the top softball players in the United States are going to Oklahoma are in Oklahoma right now and are going to Oklahoma in the next few years so this dominance can continue and don't get me wrong yes the conversation will change a little bit if Florida State does ultimately win which they could win and I'm not here just saying they won't because you you know you never know hell I thought the South Carolina Gamecocks had the national championship this year in the bag. Obviously, I, I was wrong thanks to Caitlin Clark and the Iowa High, Hawkeyes. But if if the Oklahoma Sooners do win the national championship, which would be their third straight and their 52nd straight win, they will be one of, they will solidify themselves as one of the greatest college, let me not disrespect them, one of the greatest dynasties in sports history. We'll see. And lastly, before I go, since we're on this road of greatness or we're on this wave of greatness, I did want to shout out Carisha Shields. Carisha Shields, is arguably one of the greatest boxers we've ever seen and she destroyed how do you say this woman's name marcila Cornino. i know i messed your name up i apologize i'm not good with names i'm not good with names i know that but i do know that claricia shields Claritia Shields is, she's one of the, <laughs> one of the great sport athletes we don't talk about a lot, maybe because she's a woman boxer, I don't know, and you know, how you know, but she destroyed Miss Cor, Corgino, now, Claricia Shields, she's 14 and 0, two knockouts, and, she she comes with power that you don't see a lot from anyone, let alone a woman or a man. Um, yeah, man. I, d- I just wanted to, I wanted to highlight Clarissa Shields because I don't see many outlets highlighting the fact that she retained all of her belts after beating. Marcella Corgino again I know I said your name wrong I apologize but shouts out to Claricia Shields and Claricia Shields is kind of finding she's she's finding that realm and or she's 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 in this realm where it's very hard to find an opponent for her because of how good she is and how dominant she is and a lot of people don't want to fight her because it's like they, they feel it's unfair because she is dominating people, like she—I know she's fourteen and zero with two knockouts, but a lot of those, most of those fourteen and zero is is uh, lopsided to say the least. Um, and she, you know, she she is she is one of the greatest women bo- woman boxers we have ever seen, f- female boxers we've ever seen. But she's kind of living in that realm of, you know, she's one of the best boxers we've seen, period. So shout out to uh Clarisha Shields for retaining all of her belts this weekend with a win over uh Marcilla Corgino. Again, I know I probably said your name wrong. I apologize. Please don't don't take any offense. And there you have it. That has been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly, truly appreciate you guys. Um if you want an unpopular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, The link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your unpopular podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to if you're listening. Please subscribe to if you're watching. It definitely, definitely means a lot to me. Also, subscribe to the social media. Subscribe to Instagram. Subscribe to TikTok. All of the links are in the description below. Uh, And until next time, much love.